morning. We're too much scrolling. I'm Steve. I'm Chip. And we have all the information you need to survive another week. New shows published every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And you are listening to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. We'll see you in the future. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome back to the Doctor Who Target Book Club, the podcast in which we undertake the biblical task of discussing in story order all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and today we have an equally biblical three-person discussion panel including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We today have not one but two novice fans. One who has not seen the original series and has only read a few of these books up to this point, and that is the wonderful and glamorous Jenny Ingersoll. Hello, Jenny. Salutations. Yes. And we welcome for the first time our new novice fan who has not seen the original series and has not read any of the books up to this point, and that is the bombastic and beautiful Rory Yopst. Hello, Rory. Live long and prosper. Is it okay to say that? Uh, no. I'm, I'm a novice. So I, have that, I have that excuse going for me, right? Yeah. That will only take you so far. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning that in one of my English classes this year that I teach at Truman, where I know these good fellows, uh, I had someone named Tom Baker. Did you really? Yes, I did, and I asked him. I mean, so I, oh my I God. you know, if I even if I know nothing, not don't know much about sort of the Doctor Who canon, I you know mm-hmm. I am a big movie nerd and I know <laughs> random facts about things that I haven't oh, yeah. seen. Yeah, so I'm aware Tom Baker is. Well, and, it's going to be a while yeah. before we get to Tom Baker. It's going to be something yeah. like four years down the yeah, line. Catch you, yeah, yeah, you all probably be dead by then. I, I will no still be doing this. Tom but, Baker is. Oh, I'll show you a picture. I think you could, you could intuitively probably figure it out at this point. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Huh? Is he hot? Well, it depends mm. on your standards of hot. I would not think so, but if you like a certain, you know, mid-70s, uh, bohemian, <laughs> yeah. older guy thing, then yeah. I can attest that the next Doctor Who is hot, uh, Jodie Whittaker. Oh, well, yeah, see, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> she, she is gorgeous, though. Yeah. She is indeed. I'm Googling him. Okay. Um, well, while you're doing I'm gonna that. I'm going to go ahead and... Oh, wait. Well, there's like, versions of him when he's young. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Eh. Probably not. Probably. Mm. <laughs> well, that's maybe fine. not. Hot is the word that I. Well, what luckily I we don't have to talk but, about um, Tom Baker's hotness because yeah. we're doing a William Hartnell story. Yeah. But before we get to talking about the book, please remember our new Patreon page available at patreon.com forward slash dwtargetbc. Depending on the amount you give per month, you'll receive a randomly chosen BBC book, not a Target book. Since we know you all have them, you keep complaining about that. That's fine, I understand. As a gift for supporting us, just to say thank you for being willing to help us stay on the virtual air. We'll also be doing a special sweepstakes sometime in the next month with a special giveaway. Ooh. So visit that page, yes I know, to find out what it's all about. As usual, we'd like to thank our regular patrons, Bart Lamy, Rick Taylor, and Toby Bagelsdorf. Woo! Thanks, Toby. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, I know that last one. Yeah. He's not going to be listening to this, but he said he might. He said he might. So. That's how busy he is this week. Yeah, exactly. All right. He's not on an adjunct schedule like we are. Not yeah. at all. It's our first holiday episode, but whether we've gotten a lump of coal 
in our stocking or whether the dreidel is actually going to spin mm. is up to y'all mm. as we discuss another Hartnell story novelized in the 80s. This time it's Paul Erickson novelizing his own script for the story The Ark. Without further ado, here are some fast facts. Doctor Who, The Ark, adapted by Paul Erickson from a script that aired from 3566 to 32666, published by Target Books in March 1987. As of this recording in December of 2017, this title is currently out of print, but is available as an unabridged BBC audiobook, 144 pages. Alright, so, you may think I'm kidding when I say that there's been a lot of Hartnell novelizations being done in the 80s, but just to give you some historical perspective. Mm -hmm. In 1987... There were 11 paperback Doctor Who books published that year. Six of them were Hartnell stories. And in fact, I point this out because we've already read five of them. Or at least, you know, as a podcast, we've read five of them. I think you've read maybe two. Well, no, no, you've read more than two from 87, I think. Because Marco Polo's, I think, is in there. So this is the last of that most Hartnell-heavy of years. I'm sure no one has ever used that as an adjective before. Hartnell heavy. <laughs> Hartnell heavy. I am so Hartnell heavy at the moment. Uh, yeah. I know I've used the word Hartnet heavy when I was seeing him in every movie in the mid 90s. <laughs> like yeah, I was like Hollywood Homicide, H2O, Black Hawk Down. Like, when's this guy going away? And then he just like, went away forever. Yeah. So I guess I got my yeah. Did, did yeah. he die? No, no, no. He decided yeah, to. Uh, he moved to. No, he moved to Minnesota, I think, which is even worse than yeah. that. Yeah. He gave up yeah, yeah, for a some, some, You know, unless you're the lead character in Inside Out. Yes. Speaking of Hartnell, (laughs) it probably helps to know that at this point the show had been on an 18-month hiatus that started in February 1985 and ended in September 1986, so there wasn't any new material being produced on screen, hence all the looking back. So they were running out of material very, very quickly, so they were doing even stories like The Ark. There are a couple of other noteworthy things about this book. One... It's the full first uh, first full appearance, rather, of the new companion Dorothy to Dorothy. I can't say her name. Dorothy. Dorothea Chaplin, otherwise known as Dodo, mm-hmm. who is hastily introduced at the end of the massacre on screen and barely mentioned in the book. Yeah. The last page. I really was confused. Well, we'll get to that, I suppose, yeah. in a second. Um, well, yes. Indeed. Well, she's and all over this one. She is indeed yeah. almost too much. And two, it's the only story written by Welsh writer Paul Erickson. Born in 1920, he actually spent his childhood and teen years in San Diego. I didn't know this until today. But then he moved back to England at the age of 18, made his mark writing mostly B-movie scripts in the 80s. By the 60s, he was doing episodic television work and a lot of criminal dramas, including The Saint, by uh, starring someone you might know better as... uh, James Bond, who was, and I'm blinking. Roger Moore. Saying, Thank you, Roger Moore. Exactly. I was going to say Val Kilmer, but. Yeah. No, 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 not that one. And he also did a series called Paul Temple, which mainly was produced by Doctor Who people. One oddity about the arc is that it's the first time that a female writer has ever been credited for an episode, or in this case, co credited, and that was Erickson's wife at the time, Leslie Scott. There's no indication she contributed anything to the writing of the story, though. He insisted on her having a co-author credit, so it may have been for, you know, Writer's Guild, whatever. And even the copyright page of this book lists only Erickson as the original copyright holder. 
And yes, since he died at the age of 70 in 1991, we need not hold back. <laughs> I did look this up because it occurred to me as we sit here shitting on these novels that I don't <laughs> usually check to see if this person is still alive. But then I'm like, why should that actually matter if, I'm, if we're being honest? Like, we yeah. should be honest. But then I'm like, no, I would feel bad. Exactly. But I did Google or Wikipedia. I looked... Um, this author up and actually found the information that you Well, I think if Paul Erickson was alive, he'd about. totally Google himself and totally find this episode right away and totally listen to it. You yeah. Know? As it is his only Doctor Who novel credited. So. Oh, yeah, he's Yeah, and he would also be in his 90s, so what else would he have to do? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. yeah. But he didn't even know what Google was. Yeah. yeah well, he didn't know because if he died in 91, he wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't. One more thing I will point out about this one. The show was just about to lose its producer, John Wiles, and it had a new script editor in Jerry Davis. They had just come up with the character of Dodo to make up for not being able to use Anne Chaplet as the new companion. And they originally gave her a Northern or uh, Liverpudlian accent. It depends mm. on who you listen to. But the orders came down from higher-ups that regulars of the program had to speak BBC English or received pronunciation, RP. So Dodo's language was regularized, and here, Erickson seems to be working from a version of the script in which her language is still vaguely non-standard. Mm-hmm. There are yeah. a lot more jokes about her language here than there are on screen, even though the Doctor just can't let it go. He Mostly even... like word choices more than anything, it yeah. seems like. It's exactly that, yeah. though. It would have been her uh, accent as well. Her patois. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But as we'll soon see, that isn't the only major change that happens to this character before she goes the way of the Dodo bird. So, how long does she actually last? Not long. That's kind of a shame. Yeah, yeah. she's. In fact, let me think about this. She'll be gone by February. <laughs> yeah, because the way we're reading, it's dark. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. We'll be we'll be quit of her very soon. Oh wait, no, no, it's February. It is February. I know this for a fact because she leaves in the War Machines, and that's part of February, which is Black History Month, and I'll. I'll, there's a surprise around it. We'll talk about that when we get yeah. to it. It's ridiculous, actually. I, I didn't even plan it. Yeah, yeah. In the future. <laughs> yes, but we've got this story. She was briefly in the massacre, yeah. so that's two, technically. Um, she's going to be in the next one, which is Celestial Toymaker. She'll be in the Gunfighters, which is Donald Cotton, so you want to be on board for that one. Okay. And then War Machines. Oh, wait, no. I'm leaving out the Savages. That's also February. And then the war machine. So yeah, she'll be gone in February. Doesn't last long at all. I'll have to get in for at least one mm. one more of her. Because uh, I, I really should. enjoyed her. Yeah, I did too. I thought really? she was I thought she was very endearing. Aside from, from Babs, I suppose, in right. some books, I think she's my favorite Doctor Who character so far. Serious. Yeah. I, I feel like she's the really? one that sticks out the most. I think there were so many characters where I really couldn't keep track of who was saying what, you right. know. Yeah. Uh, whether they were the monoids or the humans or something like, hey, wait, who's who right now and stuff right. like that. And like, but she was the voice I always recognized to be her. You're right. And I think that says something, you know, when when you're reading a novel because you don't have the visualization of like who uh, of always of who's saying what. So personality really has to clip along. In and, and real and really and really be showcased and illustrated in the dialogue, right. and that's not always the bread and butter of a science fiction writer. Specifically, True. I exactly. think you know even. <laughs> uh, and I've read you know I've read some really good science fiction where I'm even just saying like these characters all sound the same more or less. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we normally yeah. say that about Doctor Who novelizations. Yeah, exactly. Fact. Well, that's not just him. I think this is sort of a common trope in sci-fi yeah, in really general. Is. Really, yeah. it absolutely is. Yeah. 
Interesting you should say that Dodo has such a distinctive personality because one of the things that she's criticized for is a lack thereof. Really? Because it changes from story to story. Oh, well, possibly. It's never, it's, it's never nailed down. I see. Because by the time she leaves, she's a very posh, very prim character. Oh, yeah. And she's not that No, no there's a total naivete there, I yeah. think. Which I think is sometimes beneficial to a story like this when you have so many educated people to sort of have that sort of like hey what's going on kind of you know yeah Yeah. springboard into the exposition a little bit yeah yeah you have to have the viewer identification character yeah yeah Yeah, she's sassy she's smart you know she goes marching off the the spaceship she plays tennis with monoids i love that Uh, yeah that was great she's constantly using like the slang and kind of fighting with the doctor about it and she loses the doctor's chess game for him, yeah. which I think my, I was trying to think of my, like my favorite scene as we talk about, um, mm. I think just all of Dodo is like my favorite yeah. um, aspect of this really? book. And wow. I, I agree. it's so funny how she does that. Wow. I agree. I, there's I, never been a more spirited character in these books. Oh my God. That's fascinating. I have, I, I, I'm totally with you, Jenny. I think that, you know, and you haven't even read these other ones. Like, no, is, I haven't. I didn't no. know this was your first time. Doing oh, this is a hundred percent. You got super lucky. This wow. is like one of the better things ever. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Like, especially from and, a literature, you know, layperson's perspective. And here's the thing is that, like, I, I like science fiction. It's I and, I, I, and there's many science fiction films I like. I'm definitely more of a movie buff than I am anything. I think both of you can attest to that yeah, right. from our many conversations or even seeing movies with me. And I always like science fiction because I love high concept stuff. And I like, you know, I like when people invent new worlds, invent new characters, invent new language. I like all that. Mm-hmm. I think my problem with science fiction novels specifically is I do find sort of the prose to be kind of dry. Yes. And I don't find there to be a, a whole lot of pathos in there, when, and especially in stories where I think that really, really could use it and need it. Right. Um, so that's why I don't get far in science fiction novels when I start them. I'm like, oh, this is a great idea, and then I get bored immediately, which is why I like, you know, authors like Kurt Vonnegut, which has, which has all the same high concept tropes as a science fiction story, but are also like incredibly well written, incredibly yeah. brisk, have yeah. very distinct characters. And he's in love with characters. Yeah, right? exactly. That, and I also think that sort of the irony of science fiction is that it's oh we're like creating new worlds there are new ideas new 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 and a lot of them aren't you know a lot of it are very much recycled ideas and I think that unfortunately this one does have quite a few recycled ideas oh absolutely yeah absolutely Um, in fact just to remind our listeners what the story of the arc is because there might be somebody out there who hasn't watched this damn thing (laughs) it is 10 million years in the future and the Earth is about to plunge into the sun. A gigantic space arc has been launched to take the last of humanity to a new life on the planet Refusus. Accompanying the humans on their journey are the Monoids, strange reptilian creatures from an alien world. When, what other kind of world will they be from? When the TARDIS materializes on board, the Doctor and his friends are greeted with suspicion, which soon turns to open hostility, as it always does, when Dodo inadvertently infects the Ark's crew with a long-forgotten virus. It is an accident which will have a terrible effect on mankind, an effect which will last for 700 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
I feel like 700 years doesn't seem that much when you're talking about 10 million years in the future no. and all these giant leaps that they do. I feel like that's like yeah. a blip, really. And, in fact, oh. it's kind of weird that they even have that long a gap because, yeah. Jesus, you'd think that 10 million years in the future they'd be able to travel to Refuses a little yeah. faster. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll get to that. I have okay. opinions about that. You have this. opinions about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's been some sort of some sort of <laughs> technological breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. which is like when I think about like the, the Narnia books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, going way back then. Like you know, it's what's I think between wardrobe and Caspian, it's like something like a hundred mm. or two hundred years in between when they leave and come back. Even though it's oh, been yeah. like a two days, or, or it's been like a, I think one year. I think they've been right. gone. And then when they go from Caspian to Don Treader, it's like two years or something right. like that. You know exactly. I mean? It's like why are you? Why don't you just go the same extreme amount? You know. <laughs> Um, and I have a feeling that's, I mean, from my understanding, just from the little bit of the show that I've watched, mm-hmm. this, that that's sort of the idea is that sort of random intervals in time that they're yes. bouncing around in. Yeah. And in fact, the weird thing about this one is that it's not really technically a four-part story. It's two two-parters. Because mm-hmm. obviously it's two separate stories. One story is eh, slightly better than the other one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm is, much better, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, the... Yeah, there's so many things that I, I could talk about. First first impressions, I was immediately like, okay, this is a lot better than... I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Lugarati, it just doesn't do it for me. He's yeah. not uh, not my favorite writer. And I can even just tell by the volume of notes that I have that there's like four pages, you know, three or four things per page. I, there's, I wasn't even making that many notes for wow. the Lugarati novels because there's just nothing when the, the prose is so just plotty and and like this happens here this person walked over here the door opened this Mm. person stared on in consternation or whatever there's nothing to say about that whereas right away there's interesting things happening in this book like even the first line is jungle you know it's like period jungle I'm like that's cool and so I was immediately drawn in more so I think by page 8 here I had made a note already so much more engaged uh, in, in this and immediately you know kind of off and running so that was cool um but i did feel like the first half was so much more interesting the Mm -hmm. whole um cold and like plague narrative Mm, really than what was going on afterwards because there was like a break in between that i guess 700 intervening years i'm like the the monoids seemed totally chill and kind of interesting Mm -hmm. like they kept doing that thing where they're interested in the reptiles and i kind of wanted to know what was going on Mm -hmm. with that but it never came back. And then all of a sudden they turn into like your stereotypical Hollywood movie villains with their blasters and number one, number two names. Like they don't even get names. I'm like, really? These these creatures became so boringly evil and generically (laughs) evil. Like, and and then I just wasn't interested anymore. Yeah. I Uh, think I even said my notes, they should have just given them mustaches for the twirl. Along with their Beatles haircuts. Yeah. From the cover. Oh, I was like, God, what are that's these? for sure. Oh, you haven't seen the cover. <laughs> yeah. No, I have, actually. You sent it to me, the cover. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of love the, yeah, the Beatles haircut when I... Yeah, yeah. it's like Beatles Cyclops haircut thing. on yeah. top of a black, that sounds like dude. A, that sounds like a great band name, like Beatles haircut. <laughs> Beatles haircut. <laughs> yeah. Very sci-fi cover, Reptic, sure. Reptilian oh, yeah. Beatles haircut, one-up Cyclops or something. I'm sure the monoids have been used as a... Band, band yeah, that, that would be cool. I'm sure they. Yeah. I'm sure they have. And, and Jenny, my first impressions are very close to yours. I, I kind of thought I might be in the minority here, but I actually completely agree. I think the. 
I was really surprised how engaged I was for large portions of this book, actually. Okay. And I was, like I said, I'm sort of expecting the dry, explaining all the rules, and there is a bit of that. There's but, a little you know, bit. There's some moral building. But they do a good job, I think, in establishing setting very early on. But it's like it's just enough information that you could see it, but it's also just enough to be desired for you to sort of figure out exactly where we are. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that was actually. Uh, that was actually, I think, a very interesting element of the beginning. And like I said, and this is a reason why I'm, you know, a big fan of these new Star Wars movies that are coming out. I think mm-hmm. there was more attention to character that I think really made me want to engage more. And I'm totally mm-hmm. with you on Dodo. Like, okay. I think, you know, it, like you know, there's that one great moment where she has the cold and the doctor's scolding her and. And she goes like, and she's like, just you know, sniffling, sniffling. And the doctor's like, no, you have to cry. But no, I've got a cold. Yeah, I'm not crying. I'm and then cold. it reverses. And then, and then it happens later. He goes like, he goes like, well, I'm sorry, you're not feeling. Me. He's like, no, I, no, I am actually crying. You know, <laughs> I, I think the, I think there are moments like that that are actually quite charming, and yeah. I think both to its, uh, both to its detriment and actually to its advantage, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I bet. Yeah, I could see that. Um, especially even in terms of just the arc plot itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I immediately thought of like, oh Slark- god, that's right. Yeah, like I even thought of just like Slurry Bartfast, and you know, let's go to this other planet. We're making a new Earth, although that was a machine, you know. And, he, and Douglas Adams could very easily have ripped that off because he was script editor of Doctor Who. Oh, and it doesn't Adams. surprise me. It yeah, doesn't surprise me at all. During the Tom Baker years, in fact. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me at all, because I feel like it is very much sort of in that tone. I think that oh, yeah. Douglas Adams is quite a bit more wittier than this guy. Oh, I mean, sure. he definitely has... This guy has his moments, but I think that Douglas Adams is, you know, definitely, I think, really amped up the humor more than these. Just sort of have it where that one... Where Hitchhikers, the humor was the point. Yeah. yeah I could see that. Yeah. And, you know, the whole idea of, like, we're starting this new era and stuff like this. We're going to another planet, mm-hmm. the two by two. Th- none of that's really original. I mean, it's still kind no. of... No. I mean, but it's, Not it's, it's, it's it's still relatively engaging. And I think I was surprised how much I was with it for a while. And I think a lot of it is because as, as you know, as a writer myself, and I tend to, you know, I prefer dialogue and language sure. over kind of long dry prose even to a certain extent story depending on the story Mm -hmm. and i think that this story is driven by dialogue a lot more than some science fiction stories i've read we can tell that this person is a a tele oh yeah telenovelist or he writes for tv oh yeah and is i mean even that first line i reflected that it says jungle that's straight out of like scene description exactly oh very good observation it works it's so seriously Um, that's fine (laughs) yeah and it it works i think better he's able to fill in all their stuff better than some of the other offers that i had seen yes and he takes advantage of the novel form to expand on what can't be seen on screen because right. obviously they do not go to the arctic region of the the ship yeah. on screen they do not go to a desert because there isn't one yeah. you only see the jungle now the jungle is beautifully realized yeah. on screen you don't see the tiger of course which yeah. is unfortunate but you do see an elephant <laughs> there's an elephant and it's so exciting yeah. but um yeah it's uh erickson is one of those authors who's going to look at this and say you know what i'm going to expand as much as i can on this and i'm going to improve on it it's an open question on whether or not he actually does improve because well what are your impressions well well, (laughs) all right how do we start um i would have first read this book when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. and i hadn't seen the story at that point so i'm trying to remember i don't have any memory of this book Mm -hmm. before rereading it for this podcast 
only that I had heard through the grapevine of Doctor Who fandom that it's one of the lesser uh, received novelizations. Probably because of what's around it. Because you have books like The Massacre and you have books like um, Edge of Destruction coming out around that same time. And those are written just beautifully whereas this one it's it's workmanly if that's yeah. a term that can i could see that i mean mm-hmm. i think it almost works to a advantage but i definitely see what you're saying yeah, yeah yeah there's not a lot on the page that isn't on screen yeah and unfortunately what is on the page and is new uh, well. <laughs> yeah. you really were surprised or are surprised by our affection for dodo it I seems have. like maybe you don't have that same affection here's the thing i like dodo I, I don't like her in this story. I like the gunfighter's version of Dodo. But I don't like this version of Dodo. I really don't like the um, social, um, social toy maker version of Dodo. And I'm seriously just wanting to kill the War Machine's version of Dodo. And I cannot remember the Savage's version of Dodo. So there's a different Dodo. In fact, I've made the joke before that if you don't like Dodo, don't worry about it. She'll change. She's like the weather. And I think a reason maybe that I do like Dodo is like one of my biggest pet peeves, like I was saying, with science fiction is these sort of official, like, you know, high-ranking characters who come up and say about endless amounts of exposition, oh, yeah. you know, and, and, and try to, like, you know, bring the reader up to speed about the book they didn't read or read ten years ago or about what's going on in the world. And I just... Yeah. I, I can't fucking stand that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just... I can't fucking stand that. And I think that kind of when we have a character that's sort of outside that, she's not saying any of that. Yeah. And that in and of itself is refreshing. I kind of saw her as... Almost like an intern. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, you know, here's somebody, she's learning, she's figuring things out, Mm -hmm. she's responding. And I almost got the impression, it's really not even anywhere in the book, but like, I almost got the impression that like, she has a cold because she like, didn't know better. Like, she was supposed to prepare herself or get healthy or something like that, (laughs) or take a shot before she was leaving or something like that. And she didn't. So I almost see that. Her bringing that call there is like, oh, it's not your fault. But in a way, like maybe there's sort of a weird implication that kind of is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just something I kind of just thought of. Well, I know that Stephen yeah. at one point says to the doctor, "This is something we should worry about, isn't it? I mean, how many diseases have we brought to other?" Yeah. other cultures and other times and the doctor says ah oh, don't worry about that yeah. well given the uh, feather touch that they treat science with in this book we yeah. don't need to worry god. about it too much oh no. god we should talk about that I, I have we? to I'm gonna go here right now yeah like, please do I think do. that that was in because... terms of worst thing the Oof. thing that bothered me the most <laughs> because it was so uh, against like other things in this book like at first when when they get to the jungle it says that there's zebras and kangaroos and immediately i'm like how in the world are those things living together zebras are in africa and kangaroos are in australia and i could i could suspend disbelief a few there. pages yeah. later they actually acknowledge that geographical flub because it's the ark that yeah. it's yeah, I understand a bunch that. of animals yeah. in. so i'm like oh okay cool so yeah. he knows what he's about he did that deliberately and I'm like, fine, cool. Then later when we start talking about the virus or the, the cold stuff, you know, he oh, does go yeah. into like, oh, this is about, I'm trying to find, oh, yeah, I, I said, oh, it's rather educational that it's talking about vaccines and that the curies and viruses. And I was kind of excited. And then all of a sudden we totally lose it. Like we're going to the jungle to get animal blood and put it together with <laughs> plants to make vaccines. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this has too much animal content. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Like, yes, I can look, I can see this is better just by staring at it. <laughs> 
like, how the fuck does that yeah. work? Like, why would they not just tell the young readers who context, like, a lot of these books are geared towards, you know, like, 16, yeah. 12, oh, yeah. 12 year old boys. Um, why wouldn't they just do the simple task of explaining how a vaccine works? It's interesting and it's easy to explain. Mm-hmm. And why would they be making up all of this bullshit? Like, it's just not how it works. Uh, and that kind of piggybacked onto the larger thing that you were talking about earlier, Rory, that... I do not believe for a second that these are human beings from 10 million years in the future. Yeah, yeah, what the yeah. fuck? Like, there is no... Uh, there are so many places that I'm like, how are they still, like, doing some of these things? Or I'm trying to, like, find the exact um, place. Like, the only thing that I thought was interesting was then they had, instead of a syringe, like, the, the pad that you could put oh, on yeah. your arm to administer a vaccine. I'm like, well, that's I mean, cool. But yeah. otherwise, it didn't seem like anything was different. Sometimes no, that's kind of charming. Like, sometimes, like, I one of my favorite moments in Starship mm-hmm. Troopers, like, and they said that on... Uh, they said that in the riff tracks about it. I'm talking about the film. Oh, yeah. yeah. When they when they have, like, a little disc that they record things on. <laughs> yes. And it's, like, you know, thousands of years <laughs> in the future. Like, and, like, you know, yeah, still using like physical those, media still exists. They're still, they're still <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. doing the thing where they're yeah. growing food from microscopic things. I'm like, oh, like, the growing food from pills trope is so 1960s. Oh, yeah. Very much to it's be very dancing. Oh, it's very much. It, it, the decade of the It's almost like 2001 Space Odyssey. It's like they can't all be 2001 Space Odyssey, which basically was premonition about tablets and iPads. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or later they're like, oh, we're going to... They told I can't remember why. They're like, oh, just blow up that moon. That'll be fine. I'm like, yeah. no, don't blow up your moon. Like, this is going to be a problem. Do you want to things? There's like, there's no living things on it. I remember on your that. Planet? Like, I thought you were going to bring up... I thought you were going to bring up the whole thing of the doctors saying to keep Stephen warm because Eric's had got got some you know pushback about that and he seems to have doubled down on it in this novelization because he has the doctor have a line where he says oh yeah so we have to do that to burn out the uh, virus yeah that that doesn't make any sense um i mean you can keep someone warm but not for burning out a fever like this is like jane austen like let's jaw the fever out through the (laughs) toes you know i'm like what the what are we talking about this is i was really confused and especially with the the whole vaccine thing i'm like it'd be so simple just to to have a teachable moment for the the kids reading this like oh by the way we'll just take some blood from dodo or steven here and make a vaccine super interesting fine i even looked up how vaccines work which was from milkmaids getting cowpox in the 1700s and some guy who scratched their nasty pustules and then scratched it on somebody else and noticed they yes. a smallpox. Yeah. Exactly. This is it. This is it. Nothing with animals. That, that would be great in that story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would be one thing if they went into the jungle for like aspirin or something. Like yeah. I wondered, oh, they're going to go there? No. 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 We're just going to mix animal parts with. I'm like, is this Zelda? I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah. on. Like, I mean, I'm... Potions? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm with you, Jenny, yeah. in the sense that like... I, I agree with you. Beginning, <laughs> charmed, engaged, second half bullshit. I think that yeah. I, I think as soon as they went back into like they when they were when they left the first time, I was sort of like, oh, are they going to like another planet? Is it gonna be like kind of a two adventure thing? And they go back to the arc, and it kind of was like, oh, okay, I think I know where this is going. There's gonna be some sort of the the virus has changed something, yes. you know, and that's also Bradbury did that kind of thing oh, too yeah. with like exactly Sound of Thunder and, and Butterfly it's the first time Effect, Doctor like, Who's done it. And oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, 
Uh, and it's all string theory thing. Uh, yeah, first time he's not, having to deal with something yeah. that his travels has caused. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's a very common science fiction time traveling thing. My, my disappointment was I feel like they could have pushed that even further, kind of what you were saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like... Like if and this is like if this thing takes place in the ark. I expect like the animals to like to be have these weird mutations, and it'd be the sure. animals would be the one to like take the over. Yeah. Zebra. yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. I think they could have like pushed that even further. That like it's mutated in this completely different world. Yeah. And instead, it's just sort of like now the Maoris can talk, and most of the humans are dead, but not all. You know exactly. what I mean? It's just like and they I just took over. I feel like yeah. it's it's and, and and I feel like in seven hundred years, it's as much progress as you made. You know. Yeah. I feel like this. Vi- I mean, like the virus itself could have been like a character. Yeah. You know, that could have been the antagonist. That could have, like, you know, you know, evolved oh. into this. Interesting, you piece. should say that <laughs> <laughs> because that does happen later in the seventies. <laughs> we get a virus that actually is a like antagonist, evolves. yeah, and evolves into a sentient a specific. Being. Well, yeah, it, it already Which, is. Of course, one. is another well-worn science fiction. Trope. Yes, and yeah. again, it's Tom Baker. On Star Trek. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, but it's fun. But, fun. Um, yeah, no, I just I was like that's kind of yeah, shit. and I, I just really... I don't know, just like the the canon and just they just spend so much goddamn time with that. Yeah, oh, I'm God, just like it just ever. never ends. I'm just oh yeah, and like I feel like you know I, f- I feel like it's just weird MacGuffin that just sort of comes out of nowhere and just yeah, don't have the same kind of a- attachment to <laughs> which one the uh... the launcher. Sorry, not the oh, canon. The launcher, yeah, yeah, the launcher. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, also the fact oh, that yeah. today we don't have a vaccine for the common cold, so I have yeah, no idea no. what they were trying to do with yeah. that anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, not, um, it's hardly been eradicated. It's not smallpox. You know? Yeah. Well, the other weird thing... Well, there are all sorts of weird things about this so-called future society when the Earth is going to dip into the sun and die. For one thing... The time is way off. <laughs> um, the new series has actually reestablished that it's not 10 million years in the future. It's more like 5 billion. Oh, and that's when the Earth actually see, gets destroyed. I should have known better to even think about that, but I didn't. Um, well, no. That's a really good point. Well, millions and billions. I mean, uh, most Americans don't think in terms of that. I mean, yeah. Maybe this is a foolish or... question. Would they have known this in 1986? Um, They should have. Okay. And in I fact, they should have so. known it in 1966. Okay. They should have okay. known this when you well, wrote the five billion years when the Earth goes into the sun's orbit, you mean? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be more like five billion years rather than ten million. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure well, what the Once again, is. to somebody, you know, to a species that, leads, that lives, you know, 80 to 100 years at most... Mm-hmm. Ten million, five million. What's the fucking difference? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the new series, uh, the the second episode is the, the Earth being destroyed. It goes into the yeah. sun, uh, but it's the year five billion. So it's like okay, they're they're shy of their time a little bit, perhaps. So it's not the Earth that's being destroyed, even though they watch it happen live, and it's like, oh my god. Oh yeah, that's the yeah. other thing. Yeah, there's no way you could possibly do that. No. They're like, watching the Earth. It's not like you're sitting there watching television. Oh, it's so charming on screen, too, because you see the little yeah. model yeah. getting all smoky. Some guy comes up with a lighter, like, snick, yeah. snick, yeah. like, lights it on fire. The launchers do that. Oh. They're on little strings. It's just so cute. Yeah, oh. let me guess, five billion years from now, they're still using rotary phones, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah something like that. You know, strangely enough, there's well, he, he had some stuff on the page like them having two hearts, and that leads to something weird because the doctor says, "Oh, really? Well, that sounds interesting. Time lords, 
the Doctor's own race. They have two hearts. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, so that would be a moment where Erickson in 1986, when mm-hmm. this has already been established, should be saying, oh, yes, but the Doctor being a Time Lord should already know this. It's like, no, mm-hmm. no, no. He so that's gonna be, pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's gone. Uh, but yeah. yeah. I, there was also, I mean, I guess this makes sense, given that Dodo seems to change so often. I just did not... Like, from the time that we met Dodo last time to this time, I'm like, what? Like, how? I yeah. don't, like, understand what that transition is. Um, She's lost her accent, for one thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, although I like that she was wearing the, the page boy. The Crusaders. Yeah. The Crusaders oh, outfit, yeah, yeah. I, I and that she just liked it. Like, she said she liked to wear it. She thought it suited her. Yeah. Um, which, right away, that immediately yeah, and I thought that was characterization. Yeah. I thought that was kind of fun, and I'm, I actually forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So thank you, like, for reminding, because they do mention it, like, early on. Right. And it's hard, you know, in a book, when you've established it once, it's not like you're going to establish it seven more times. No, not at all. Whereas if, I'm guessing, in, in the episode, it's fairly clear yeah, that she's walking around in this. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know... He could have played around with that even more. I did see from an aesthetic standpoint about how it gets, like, you know, burnt or, or something like that, or how she trips over it or something yeah, like that. You know, never you know. does. Yeah, never I mean, that, that would have been a way I think he could have, you know, if I was to give Paul Erickson notes, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe the TARDIS will come by and the doctor will bring the notes back to him. Back in the 70s, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, play with this more. This is really yeah, fun, you know. He yeah. needs it. Yeah. He needs it a bit. But, yeah. yeah, it's still, despite the whole, my my... Uh, discontent with the science flubbing I have far fewer notes about awkwardness in the writing uh, yeah. you Roy either can be sad or happy that you miss out on the last one yeah, I'm so many I'm phrases that I was just crapping on because oh, yeah. the unlit really... fire um, I'm the unlit fire she hated the unlit uh, fire there's not an unlit fire yeah. it's just wood then but <laughs> there were very few of those in this that I could really complain about so yeah. I think that speaks to the strength and the care of well, I mean, person's writing I think that Erickson's hardly Marquez here but nope. <laughs> but I think us. he's certainly a step above <laughs> a lot of like these choose your adventure sort of uh, oh, yeah. science fiction writers I think that bit. he at least I think the background in TV knows means he knows how to pace a story well and kind of take does. out some of the and take out some of the extraneous bullshit that sometimes even when these he stories. adds uh, it to this, yeah, yeah, he's actually added quite a bit to it with the yeah. uh, Arctic journey yeah. and the uh, desert journey. You know, what I'm saying he's, he's not necessarily a masterful at that, no. but he's competent at that. Yeah, yeah. and I will yeah. agree with you. As a matter of fact, I, yeah. I'll give you props for this because there's one bit that's added to this that doesn't happen on screen, which I adore. Yeah. It's the Doctor's discussion with the old woman. When are they in the desert at that point? Yeah, they're somewhere. They're, I'll, I'm interested to hear what you're saying. About yeah, this. that they have that little discussion, and it's really yes. quite sweet because that doesn't happen on screen at all. Obviously, in fact, let me find out which chapter that happens in. Oh yeah, there's another one. But they have fuel tanks. I'm like, you, you put your fuel in tanks <laughs> in fuel 10 tanks. million years from now, and you're going to travel for yeah. 5,000 light years? Okay. Yeah. Well, where are they getting that for fuel 700 from? years? Yeah. So exactly. they have fuel tanks, but they have a fission bomb. Very, yeah. Uh, yeah. very interesting. It's kind of a mismatch, just a little bit. Oh, there it is. It's chapter four. The conversation with the old woman in the farmhouse. It's not in the televised version, but it's a lovely bit of fleshing out. That's the sort of thing I really wish more people would do when they're novelizing their own stories because it gives more personality to the first time. Can you say that again? I missed that. Yeah, that um, he's... He fleshes out the story in chapter four yeah. by having the doctor talk with that old woman 
And oh, they okay. have that little bit of interplay. Yeah. That's yeah. not on screen because oh, obviously gotcha. there's not a desert for them to go to. They're yeah. stuck in one studio. Gotcha. And they're stuck at Ealing Film Studios <laughs> because of the damn elephant. I picked up on that one too, <laughs> although I didn't really know what to do with it. Really? Uh, okay. Because I thought it was interesting in and of itself, but she's sort of trying to make this generalization about oh people were happier when they could work the land and not be so intellectualized and you know everyone here is so unhappy and Mm. i was like really i I didn't see that i didn't see the other characters running around being like oh i just have all these things to think about all day yeah i wish i could go out and use a backhoe like i don't yeah i didn't see that happening overrated i've done it seemed yeah (laughs) Yeah. it just seemed a little disconnected yeah i wish that would have been more and he doesn't pick up uh, pick up with it at all he doesn't do anything with it later in the story kind of like the um the monoids looking at the reptiles Mm -hmm. yeah and Which was, like, I was very interested in, yeah. actually, because I just didn't I mean, know yeah. anything about But how much of that is, like, really the fault of Erickson and really just more sort of just the circumstances in which these books are written? I'm guessing they're, they're kind of, like, limited you know, time and, yeah. you know, and probably, it's he probably certain page in. numbers, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. They are limited to page length oh, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think television writing is that way, too. Yeah, I guess they're, like, they're, they're all, like, 150 pages. They're sort of at the mercy of, like, what your resources are, and I probably imagine his resources aren't that much either. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, that might be it. In yeah. fact, I'm not even sure, though, that he would have gone back to it if he had had the um, yeah. longer yeah. page length. I mean, they can't all be Kilgore Trout and, like, make no. magic out of, like, you know, science fiction stories and porn magazines. But, you know, no, <laughs> that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can't there all be that. Two, the t- two small beefs I had. One, I'm like, why would you name the planet you're going to Refusis? Like, it's trash. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, that's not yeah, I agree. It was, a little, it was a little bit too uh, on the nose. Well, yeah. and, I, and I seemed like it would be something you'd need to be afraid of, like foreshadowing, but then that didn't come to fruition at all. Doctor Who nomenclature. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> okay. Tends to be a case of, you know, if they already know Refusis is inhabited, why go there? For yeah. one thing. Yeah. And after all, in the grand tradition of Doctor Who nomenclature, the natives could accept them because they are refugees. Okay. Or they could be refused because okay. it's refuses. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, okay. it really okay. is. Is this like, your interpretation or is this it, it, This is this the way is Doctor canon. Who... Yeah, yeah. Well, no. This is the yeah. way planet naming on Doctor Who tends to go. Oh, that cool. you'll have. What are some others? Not novice. So please, oh, yeah, yeah. the desert planet called Iridius, uh-huh. even though it used to be a water planet. The planet that has a sea of acid called Marinus. Yeah. Um, what was another one? We had one, didn't we? Yeah. Because last time it wasn't as nearly as oh, that's right. You haven't done the science fiction. I think that I think maybe playing with the irony is what they're trying to do. Yeah. A bit. And I, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite Simpsons lines, uh, which is a uh, King Homer, which the uh, Treehouse of Terror, and they're going the you know Homer's King Kong basically. Oh they're yes. Going to, they're going to that island, and they said like. Yeah, I heard we're going to Big Ape Island. I wish we were going to Sugar Candy Island. He goes, it's on Sugar Candy Island. Apes, but not so big. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's sort of that idea, yeah. like you know. Yeah, it's. Exactly I mean, it's that. it's obviously a joke that's like one cut off, but I mean, but like you, know, you kind of if you wanted to deconstruct that and read into that, mm-hmm. obviously they're naming it these islands names yeah. to deceive people so they could bring people over and you know. It is weird though, <laughs> or keep it? people away. Yeah, yeah. yeah keep, so oh, they're not going to want to come here and because have it at this refuses, island. we're going to get refused. It's like calling garbage island. Don't refuse us, refuses. Well, I mean, it's it's Iceland, Greenland. Is that still yes? That's, yeah. that's, yes. that's sort of the illusion that's being made there. And right? then you find out that the refusions are actually perfectly fine with it and have been fine because yeah. the yeah. humans have been doing... What, how did they call it? Audio spatial research? Yes, I was yeah. like, what is this? What is that? <laughs> They're listening to radio listening plays to or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, it's like, great. ooh, we hear them. 
they must be inhabiting the planet. Well, of course, they have these deep, yeah. booming voices. It's ridiculous. Audio ethnography. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Verbal ethnography. The oh. only other... I feel like there needs to be a like a separate audio thing you stick in your like, Jenny's pedantic corner. Like, <laughs> tiny things that I, I get annoyed at. That have, you, have you heard some of the previous episodes with no. Allison? They're... No, I guess not. She does um, the same thing, so uh, don't worry. Oh, good. We all do. They're they're in the jungle and that tiger comes at Dodo and she's like, Oh, I'm gonna get eaten but then the tiger comes up and it says, Dodo could hardly believe it. The tiger was full grown, its fangs large and menacing, but the tongue that brushed over her hand was soft and warm. I'm like, um, I think the tiger's tongue would be soft and warm if it was eating you as well. But the yeah. tongue softness and warmth is not going to be affected by its menace. It's uh, also technically warm. Yeah, not also it's soft. usually not yeah. soft. It's it's no. rough like a Well maybe they are ten million years um, in the future. It could be Genetically engineered. So they don't need meat anymore. Tires. I mean, like, whenever, I mean, that's why I take a lot of these things with a grain of salt <laughs> in terms of accuracy and authenticity. Like, I always, oh, I always yeah. love that, that Rob Lowe line from Thank You for Smoking. And he goes, like, you know, <laughs> they were trying, like, what's have smoking in space? And he, and, and they said, you can't smoke in space. Use life cigarette to explode. He goes, well, that's the beauty of doing something in the future. You could say, thank God they invented the so and so. You know, you know, thank God they invented the vaccine that oh, made tiger's boy. tongue soft. <laughs> I don't let anything go. I think. No. Uh, uh, unlit no. fire. I'm, fire. I'm not giving past that. So I, in my notes, when something like this happens, I write "awk" right next. Yeah. to it. I have like two of those for well, this entire book. Right? You're not an English teacher, not at all. Yeah, of course not. There, there's you know plentiful of books, and many stars where happy things happened, and well, many... lots of inconsistencies too, because they say that there's no. What I don't like about Erickson's prose is that he keeps breaking the tension. Yeah. That he keeps, you know, there are these breakaways to the humans and you find out, oh, there are humans on the ship. When really, and I noticed this when I was watching the televised version today too, episode one would be so much better if they were just roaming around and finding the statue and then the monoids come for them and then they're taken to the humans and then they find yeah. out that it's all an arc. That's but that's true. not yeah. how it happens in no, either No, the second version. half is pretty pretty flat. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And he did a good job of making the first one hilly. Yeah, and yes. I and, and yes. correct me if Indeed. I'm wrong. I feel like the statue thing is something I've seen a lot in science yeah, fiction. It is. And I, like it's one of those things that's like it's just familiar enough, but I couldn't give you an example except for maybe Firefly, which obviously is yeah, many, many years after this. But later. yeah, yeah. Even but Planet like, of the Apes is later. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind the statue as a device of timekeeping, and okay. I thought it was a, a nice visual symbol of like the change in coming. Yeah, in, sort of. yeah. absolutely. And then, of course, I don't the know the hierarchy why. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like, know why yeah. I didn't realize the bomb was in the statue. And on screen, I should have realized that on screen, that's a brilliant cliffhanger yeah? too. Oh, that's cool. It's beautiful. It's um, a beautiful bit of model work. So I didn't mind that, um, but. Yeah, it's the, the second half is still a little. <laughs> yeah, no, the second half just generally lost me. I think, I think, because I think before it was sort of exploring, like I don't know where this is going. Where are they going? Where is yes. this going? And then it just suddenly got plotty in a weird sort of like it really does, way. doesn't it? Yeah, in a way it doesn't really quite even earn. No. And then there's some moments like you know the the fucking invisible <laughs> oh, Tennessee and whatever started yeah. on the fucking Charlie invisibles. and what's his name? Why like, Charlie just, and Mary? Just why? Charlie and Mary. Yeah. I don't. They are not named Charlie and Mary on screen. In fact, Mary does not exist on screen. Uh -huh. Dodo does not give that character the name of Charlie. I know, uh, listeners, you can't hear it right now, but my right eye is twitching. <laughs> because I'm so annoyed with that. 
And I'm annoyed with the tennis scene because it's so fucking stupid. It would be very difficult to play tennis against a person you couldn't see. It would um, be. Dodo must be quite skilled. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. She's yes. a skilled, <laughs> skilled, precocious youth. She got yeah. mad skills. It's fab. Fab fashion. Fab. I like all of her slang, although I was trying to figure out, is this like 60s British slang? Yeah. Like, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, some of it I can Liverpoolian slang. Okay. Fab, yeah. Yeah, it was, so it was interesting. this is definitely the uh, era of the Beatles because we um, we've seen the Beatles on Doctor Who by this point. Seen them in the, really, yeah. the yeah. too. Yeah. Well, here's the story, and I told this before when we did um, the uh, the book, The Chase, that they were actually going to have them on the program, and they were going to appear as old men <laughs> and themselves doing like a concert in the 2000s. Oh but their manager, Brian Epstein, said, no, no, that's just going to cheapen it. We're not going to have the boys on the show like that. So instead, they have a clip from Top of the Pops, and that's a good thing because that I guess that episode of Top of the Pops no longer exists anymore. Mm-hmm. So that clip of the Beatles that's in that Doctor Who is the only existing mm-hmm. copy of it. Mm-hmm. And you can't get it on DVD in America because we don't have the rights to it and yada yada. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a sort of precursor to uh, to Futurama in a way where yes. like what's what's use pop culture characters from the era of who's of the audience, but yes. then find a way to <laughs> bring them back somehow. Yeah, the fact it. that Fry knows about Kim Kardashian, for instance, in yeah. other episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bizarre. <laughs> Speaking of which, this is something that bothers me about this story. All right? The Guardians and the Monoids are meant to be caretaking, yes. right? They're meant to be guarding over these micro-dotted yes. humans yeah. that are on microfiche or whatever the hell yeah. they're on. And aren't those humans and monoids going to be very, very, very different than the guardians and monoids that they, that, you know, basically take them off the microfiche? There's going to be cultural drift there. Oh, yeah, I would have to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was especially, to me, evident when I, and I wondered if they're going to come back to this, when that first dude, Nyash, or whatever his name is, gets punished and stuck on the little slide. And then poor Melium um, yes. is like, bye, lover. And then later <laughs> on, he, you know, he wakes up off of it. And I'm like, you just had a sad fucking life. Like, you yes. were zapped away from your love, stuck on a Petri dish or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. woken up a bunch of years later. And now you're like, I don't know anybody. My love is long dead. Like, they, they don't even really bother to bring him back in the televised version. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he I think yeah. he's a device. I mean, it was, he was sort of a clever way to introduce this sort of microfiching yeah. of well, people, sure. I think. Yeah. yeah. But you're right, Tony, they don't. But it didn't even feel I didn't I didn't feel like the punishment fit the crime. I can't what no, what, me what neither, did he do? Yeah, what did he do exactly? He left a valve valves. open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, valve and that like, you know, you're now you're going to be here for 7 million years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We could have blown up the ark. Yeah. So, we're either going to throw you in the space. Something your grandmother says to you when you're misbehaving. Close your valve. Uh, and that's something else they could have. They, that's something kind of else. weird grandmother yeah. do you have? <laughs> Close your bell. I don't know. There's so many images in my head, especially since we're talking about <laughs> alien life too now, of what that means. Yeah. Whenever someone says valve, I think of the pyloric valve, and I'm thinking of um, what is it? Confederacy of Dunces. Yeah, one of my favorites. Oh my god. I think of pink flamingos myself. Yeah, no, you're right. Certainly punished. Cultural drift. Um, yes. Strictly for his transgression. Yes. And- I 
yeah, I I think that, and that's something else. I think they could have paid off more. Yes, like, like you know, we're, yeah. we're 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 punishing people for petty things because we yes. want to like store them away. We're trying yes. to get the, all the guardians on the, 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 deep, mm-hmm. the dish or something like that, and they don't do it. I mean, like, no. like I mean, I feel like you know, and I think once again, I feel like that's just sort of the limitations that like a paperback 140 page right. novella has. I feel like these are stories that could be fleshed out. <laughs> In three to five hundred pages, they almost yeah. need it. At the same really time, do. I don't know if I could imagine reading a five hundred page version of this at, at the same no. time. I, I would want to. Tony, this is—I yeah. was reading your notes, and I just found the line that you probably like came to now. I hope you're satisfied now, my dear. Whatever it wants, it seems to have a taste for all three of us. He glared at the tiger and ejaculated, "Shoo!" <laughs> <laughs> I remember that line. I've never. I, now that I go back and read it, it couldn't be better. There's, I have this tru- could not be written any yes, better. That's I have trouble funny. with characters ejaculating on the page, but it's yes, very every, rude. Yes, Stephen ejaculates on the page at one oh, point. Oh, can we talk about how useless Stephen was in this book? Yes, yeah. talk about please. a non-entity. Let's. I, I couldn't even picture him. It was like one of those characters yeah. where you just like saying like. I can't even imagine him as young or old or no. anything. He's just sort of a blank sort of re- archetype, you know. Yeah. Then you've been introduced to Stephen Taylor. Yeah. Yep. Welcome to Stephen. Yep. Welcome to Stephen. You're welcome to him. I feel like you know he's this. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I feel like he's sort of as vanilla as a. Yeah. He really is. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see why though, because he's taking a backseat to Dodo in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the new kid in town, so. Yeah. The, the audience's attention is going to be on her. And Stephen, we already know, doesn't have a personality. Yeah. yeah. He's already, he's tr- just tried to leave the doctor. Although he did learn space fencing at his space astronaut fencing. academy. And yeah. acting. He's supposed to be, yeah, like an astronaut? Yeah. Um, he's an astronaut. Yeah. That's all we know. Well, that's really all we know think- about him. The sort of stereotype of astronauts is sort of a blank slate, too, though. Like, I mean, yeah. It's sort of like... They're good looking. They wear they wear a helmet and they float basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. which is so is very intelligent in this one. No, um, no. sort of a, a dunce, and then he he goes and tries to stand up to Zentos, the fresh baker. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets sick and falls yeah. over, and we're like, great, that's pretty much the end of Steven. Yeah, Zentos, yeah. the fresh baker. Yeah, <laughs> I, every time you, it's in my notes. Every time oh, that's his, so funny. his name comes up because I, it's the only name I can remember. They all kind of blend together. In well, you couldn't remember number one and number two? Or no. Number, number four. four. Oh, yeah. number they, four. they had more distinct personalities than the in fucking humans cases, yeah. do. Yeah, sure. I still had a hard time keeping them together. Oh my god, it's yeah. insane. Because when you watch the televised version, you're like, oh my god, that actor is so good. Why is he playing such a dumb character as yeah. uh, Mel... Mel... Melium? Melium. Melium yeah. or, uh, no, that's one of the Is women. he humanoid that's... more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... Or Ma- Ma- the Maharas guy? Ma- Maharis. Yeah, Maharis. Maharis. Maharis is actually played by a pretty decent actor. Mm. Yeah. It definitely gets that collaborative, you know, mm. French He really uh, thing just kind of comes to a sad end in this book. He, he really does. He fucking gets vaporized. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, master, He's deserted really? and then vaporized. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they really are trying to tell us, don't be a traitor, kids. <laughs> That's exactly it. Or else your friends will vaporize you. Yes. Like, just, okay, book. I'll try not to do that. I just, picked, I just picked up this copy of the book you brought, Tony, and I just uh-huh. like, I just jumped down to a line that I just find kind of wonderfully hilarious and wonderfully economical, and it says, the doctor was thoughtful. 
The doctor was thoughtful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's something like there's something very interesting about that ter- that that phrase. I hate to spend too much time on it, but like you know, like as an English teacher, you're saying like, oh, the do- oh, you mean that the doctor was thinking something, or yes. you know, or thinking about something. Yes. The doctor was thoughtful. Almost shows this level of empathy he has for people. It's yes. Just, that's what that and pl- word choices like. Which that. is weird because right. the first doctor yeah. doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So in this book, that's what I was going to say. In this yeah. book too, the doctor is unusually empathetic and yes. caring about other people. He is. Whereas in the other ones, he's just a cold rat bastard. <laughs> Which I think is probably a more entertaining. I would have to. Oh imagine. God, much more. Yeah, much more. When the doctor is a bitch, it's I wonderful. actually. I mean, that was my complaint. We're talking about this sort of lack of personality from many of the characters, other than Dodo. <laughs> But you know, as much problems as she has, I think she's got a character. Yeah, yeah. I didn't find the doctor to have all that much of a character, quite yeah. honestly. You're, feel, you're I, catching him at a, a low time. I really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I almost, I almost was at some points thinking like this. I was sort of was one of those moments, just like I saw Batman Returns yesterday, uh-huh. first time in a while, and I forgot it was a Batman movie for large chunks of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. This is Batman. It's not about oh. Penguin and, and Catwoman. That's how I feel about the book. I'm like, there's times yeah. I kind of forgot this was a Doctor Who book. Yes. Oh, yeah. before we move on to the next point, something yeah. about Batman Returns. Yeah. The actor who plays Alfred in that, Michael Goff, Michael Goff yeah. is going to be the celestial toy maker in the next book. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was one of his earlier roles. I yeah. thought he said he was going to be the next doctor. I think he died no, like just, just a year ago or no, something no, like that. Like, yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. I mean, he just died. He's, he will be yeah. the villain. Yeah, he'll be the villain. Oh wow, great! I know he had a very long career. He yeah. really did. Oh my and he goodness. was wonderful. In that. And he was married at the time to a woman who will soon become the next companion. In fact, she'll be with us in February. She she won't physically be with us in February. No, it would be lovely if Annika Wills would be with us in February, but. Poor dear, I don't think she could make the trip. No, 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 no. She will not be. Mm-hmm. But the character let's, will be. Let's with fly us. to her. We Euro should. trip. Yeah. <laughs> Where is she now? She's in either Australia or Ooh. she's in Austria. It's one of the two. Either. Either. Well, we'll both. just go up to the Bra House and have the Austrian dudes hook us Ooh. up. Um, to, the to Bra Austria. House is Bra- that. The bra- is Brow, that the- brow house. Brow is closed like know, a week ago. I, I went to R. go R. there one more time. This not mean nothing to people who yeah. the brow house. It's the to our listeners in the UK. Well, I'm trying to eat it. A lot of this eating. This will mean nothing to people who don't live in Chicago, but a very well-known German kind of old-school dance hall. Oh, so Lincoln good, too. Um, and we'll miss it dearly. But and I really, I, I meant to go one more last time. Now I'm, now I'm depressed. Where's I'm, that TARDIS so we could go I'm, back to the I don't know. Yeah. We need the TARDIS for this because yeah, I, I've, I've never It's not quite how, I, as I just learned in this book, that's not quite how the TARDIS works, and I know. Yeah, no, yeah. no, can't take you there. Yeah, 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 it's not like you pick your destination. And in fact, I feel like that makes more sense for time travel. Yes. You know, yeah. if, like, if you're going to be able to Travel in time, you probably wouldn't have all that much control. I mean, no. I'm wearing a Back to the Future shirt now. Yeah. And that was one of the things I always, as much as I love Back to the Future, I think it's a perfect film in so many ways. It really is. Yeah. And, but, you know, obviously it's attention to time travel was always a little bit bothered. So I'm mm. like, all I have to do is press these numbers and I go this exact time. Exactly. And they even say, like, it's somehow this happens. They even, like, even Doc, who's completely <laughs> just like, he, hand waves. he goes, like, somehow this is what this works. This is what it is. Because mm-hmm. I hit my head and I came in dream or something. We like also yes. talked about the doctor being, though, like, kind of a cast off misfit Time Lord that yes. maybe the other 
Time Lords would actually be able to travel to the places they wanted to. Right. And they whereas, can. Okay, yeah, whereas he pretends that it's just not possible. He's oh, like, oh, we're at yeah. the whims of this whereas, machine. Whereas, like, whereas uh, like a show which I'm sure, which is very heavily influenced by Doctor Who, mm-hmm. a show from the 80s called Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is, is that idea yeah. that he's, like, in prison, kind of. Like, he's, oh, yeah. he's a prisoner, and he mm-hmm. is bouncing around, but he, like, yes. I think he needs to exonerate himself and fix all these situations before he can yeah though the last episode calls some doubt into that and seems to imply that it's god that's actually shifting him around everywhere i don't i I never never saw the finale of quantum it's disappointing i watch watch quantum leap a lot too and my favorite one was when he leaped in lee harvey oswald oh god that is amazing yeah that was a good episode though Given what we now know about uh, Jackie Onassis, yeah. <laughs> you have to wonder about the premise of it because the whole point was that he was trying to save her oh. rather than JFK, and it's like, what did she do? Yeah. <laughs> she married what's his name Onassis? Uh, and Aristotle. That's about it. Yeah. Aristotle Onassis. Do they ever now? Once again, novice. Uh, yeah. Does the, 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 the who does the, does the who uh, ever uh, go to the United States at all, or go anywhere a little bit? Yeah. Interesting. You should say that yeah. because the chase. Saw them at the top of the Empire State Building oh, okay, yeah. in a very embarrassing scene, which got the actor who plays Stephen his part because he was playing a hillbilly from Alabama <laughs> who was just kind of gosh darn so amazed at New York City, and they liked his performance so much in that part that they gave him Stephen Taylor, oh, and, he, and he's a, and he's a Brit, yes. right? Yeah. And he's British. Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. this is hilarious. Yes. This is exactly how they thought Peter Purvis was amazing like, in that. Okay, great. Cool. It's like, oh. Oh my god, you should you should listen to that episode because Allison tears that apart. Yeah. She's like, oh my god. But yeah, that's the one time. Um but as far as actually going for a full story, yeah. when does that happen for the first time? Not until the new series. Oh really? Yeah, they do not visit America until the new series, and then it's New York, and then it's nineteen thirties New York. Where the traders cross the pond. What yeah. interest do they have in us? Yeah. Not none whatsoever. None. They they almost did it in the eighties. Yeah. Oh. They almost went to New Orleans. <laughs> and they could not get the permissions to film there, so they went to Sevilla in uh, Spain instead. Mm-hmm. Which was a lovely story, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it, and it it seems to me that like the doctor like he goes to these places. It's not necessarily for this distinct purpose of solving a problem. That's not there. yet. Yeah, yeah, not, not yet. In fact, not even does. now. Sometimes he causes yeah, yeah. the problem. Yeah, he causes the problem. Exactly. He has to fix it. But I think that's that's sort of good. That's real because like if yeah. you're a stranger in a strange land, you might yeah, exactly cause a problem. It's the whole causality sort of issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's good that they finally have done something like this where the doctor's actions actually contribute to what's happening Mm. which is yeah it's a bit of a rarity (laughs) it's kind of a new thing we have a few more things to talk about um that there's an 80s story called frontios that also takes place around the same general time but again it describes the end of the world very differently and the end of the world, that's the name of the story, <laughs> uh, puts it five billion years in the future. We already talked about that, but there were a few other things. There was one other Do they th- only go in the future? No. Yeah. No, in fact, the last yeah. one we read, and that's part of the reason why, I, well, that wasn't the reason you disliked it. You, it wasn't the history that you disliked about the massacre. It was Lucarati's writing. Yeah, I just think Lucarati's a hack. <laughs> he can be. He can't. But you liked Marco Polo. <laughs> 
You liked Marco Polo well enough at the time. But yeah, they, they go back at least in Thanks this point. Thanks for keeping me on track. Yeah. Yes, I'm just saying, because that's the first time we ever had a disagreement on this podcast. Mm. Mm-hmm. First time. You and Dalton both loved it, and I was like, I oh, hated it. Yeah. yeah. Just like men on film, hated it. Yeah. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> exactly. But to answer your question, yes. The remit of the program was um, educational. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they right. would vary historical episodes with science fiction ones. Mm-hmm. And they eventually realized, oh, the history ones aren't doing well. I was going to see. I wonder yeah. how many kids are tuning in for the history. And then all the ones are like, they oh, man, history's that. on again. Let's go play Kick the Can. And then yeah. the like, science fiction. Let's go. Well, that's part of the reason why the massacre did so poorly. Mm. Because it was commissioned by a different production team. Mm-hmm. who wanted a historical and they basically said no we don't want this historical but we can't back out on contract mm-hmm. and yet that same team no it's not the same team i have to remind myself of that that's right oh no you forgot one piece of information in this really entire did. ocean of trivia that's um, why i'm a so-called expert ladies and let's, gentlemen let's be, uh, yes. be uh, gracious, though. Like, well, I, this is a lot to keep track of. <laughs> oh, God, is it ever. There is a historical coming up in the Hartnell time uh, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Great. I'll look it's, forward yeah, to it. Yeah, his next to last story. It's, uh, yeah, it's terrible. And, and it's Terrence Dix, though, so there'll be lots of Dix jokes to oh, be good. made at that point, which is I would fun. Hope so. Yeah, we love making fun love of the Dix jokes. We yeah. love making Dirtier fun of... Dirtier the better. Um, yeah. Uncle Terrence's last name. Sorry, Uncle Terrence. We really love you. Is he alive? Yeah. Oh, oh God, yeah. Sorry. So he'll probably, <laughs> yeah, at some point, I'd love to interview him for this podcast before he um, shuffles this mortal coil. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got that one, and then we've got the Highlanders, and then I think we don't have a pure historical story again until the 80s. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Long, long answer to a short question. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like that's where we could. That's where I feel like sci-fi could really be shaken up. Is I like this idea of like going to the future, or the past to solve like a really frivolous problems, which yeah. you maybe seen in like cartoons and stuff. Oh yeah, like, um, like a like like a friend of mine has this idea of like this guy who time travels just so he could watch like baseball games and be like <laughs> <laughs> classic Yankees games. Just want like go that. yeah yeah. And like I had this like great idea about like. Um, it's totally a movie nerd thing. Like this, this guy goes back to the, goes in the past. You could record like audio commentaries from like legends who are like long dead. Like, oh wow! Like you know, get Groucho Marx to do a audio oh. commentary for Duck Soup or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, like what's yeah? That is brilliant. And this idea was like that would be like a play. We just we just sit and watch these people watch wow. movies. <laughs> Narrate over them, was which I think is a, which is amazing to me, which might yeah. like, which is completely bore other people. But like, I don't know. There was a PBS show way back in the seventies yeah. that I loved as a kid called Meeting of Minds, mm-hmm. and it was basically a dinner party of various historical figures, but it was body as hell, yeah. and it was just awesome. brilliant. And I've been trying to find copies of oh, it ever since. Yeah, was it was it great. was it satirical? Was yeah. it to be funny? It was yeah, absolutely yeah. satirical. It had a studio and audience and everything. No, it was hilarious. Like for adults yes uh, and yes except dog. better written yeah and not for a dog because wishbone how dare you bring yeah. up wishbone on my podcast for christ's sake come on that that pisses me off almost as much as fucking invisible 
Alien. Segway <laughs> transition. Oh my god, I know that was just terrible. But no. still, Invisible Aliens, again. Oh, god. And I'll tell you why this pisses me off. Please, please tell us. <laughs> because it's is it a is it because it's like sort of a, a lazy writer's way of like avoiding like describing the character. It's or specifically yeah. a lazy Doctor Who nineteen sixty six lazy way of avoiding. They that. don't have to hire actors, you know. No, yeah, but they've done it. Uh, this is like, oh god. All right, let me explain. Dalek's master plan twelve parter. There are a couple of episodes, and they have invisible aliens in that one. Mm-hmm. Massacre, obviously, it's 16th century France, so there are no invisible aliens. We have invisible aliens here, the Refusians. They somehow know not only how to build castles mm-hmm. for yeah. humans, but these little baubles that uh, number two is throwing around at one point. Well, I mean, they're they're just visibly invisible. They still have yeah. intelligence. I do and, yeah, that part still... where they're like, "Oh, because well, I wondered why on earth would they want on earth? Why would they want people to come live in their planet? Like, why are they so altruistic?" And they're like, "Oh, well, ever since we." lost our you know ability to be seen we we just want like visible beings to come to why would you give a shit why would any like race care about how it looked or did not look they seem to Mm -hmm. be doing fine enough like that was super weird right this doesn't make any sense just a little bit Oh, I didn't even question. They're sort of obsessed with a. Ap- they're like, obsessed okay. with appearance, ironically. They're yeah. obsessed with appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah, very odd. And they're males and females suddenly, magically, and yet they can't detect each other except when they bump when into each other. Yeah. There's, actually a line. There's actually a line in the televised version where he says, "We're Charlie." Says, yes, we we can't even really detect each other. Yeah. We just have to be around each other. It's like, how do they mate? Yeah. How does this even work? How is, is this it? This is ridiculous. It's like, I'm sorry, tab A and the slot B is hard enough yeah. for humans, but if you're yeah. invisible, they just have to feel like, around for it. Yeah. yeah. Or something, I guess, you know. I guess so. Like, wait, well, I mean, blind. Blind, blind, blind people have children, Tony. That's well, not a fair do. thing to say. Well, that's yeah. true, but they do it by touch. I mean, Braille has a thing. Well, I might, they could do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, but they barely have physical form, except they can lift things and uh, the refusions. Well, yeah. just, uh, Once again, it's science fiction, so maybe they have a different way of procreating. Them. Oh, They're aliens, so. aren't they? It's I not hope yeah, yeah. for their sake they are, because mm. Jesus, God. And the worst part is that the end of this book... You remember how this book ends? It ends on a kind of a Scooby-Doo line. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Yeah, what it, I got it right here. Um, so the end of this book, yes. there's no real spoilers. Is it? He goes, Not at all. He goes, uh, last three lines is, You know better than to ask something like that, the doctor replied. I and the TARDIS can promise you a journey, but... What they asked in unison, no guaranteed destination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a terrible although I moment. was happy for the My Fair Lady reference. Um, I kept waiting for that the whole novel. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Rain in Spain. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. I did, I did notice that, happy. and it finally happened. I mean, they, they they evaluate the Rain in Spain or something. They yeah, do. That is, that's they not do. exactly accurate. No. So it's sort of ir- ironic that they're. They, that they that they're sort of like mm-hmm. criticizing the accuracy of pop culture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe I mean, I think they're maybe they're doing that intentionally to sound like see how ridiculous these maybe. people sound when they're bickering about these kind of things. Just let it go. I don't know. 
I guess I'll let it go. But this was this yeah, was this of... was a you know this was years before trolling and message boards. So True. I mean you know I don't know. I mean not to say that you didn't have annoying super fans back in the seventies, but yeah. oh my god, yeah, Doctor I mean, Who has yeah. so many annoying super fans. And they wrote by they wrote letters and Holy and shit. sent them in right and, yeah. to fan clubs. Oh it god, was yeah. more effort even. Well, yeah. here's the thing: if it weren't for one of those annoying super fans, we wouldn't have episodes like the Ark because yeah. the BBC would have wiped them the videotapes mm-hmm. yeah. if it hadn't been for some of their efforts. That being said they will not ever let us forget it (laughs) because they keep bringing it up i'm not because i don't want us to be sued i am not mentioning the name (laughs) that everybody knows who i'm talking about don't you (laughs) yeah but where was i going oh i was going to talk about the ending the televised version goes straight into the celestial toy maker because the doctor is fading out and suddenly is invisible. Oh. Oh, God. He turned into a refusian. Yeah, he did. Except not a refusion. It turns out it's an attack by the Celestial Toymaker, and it goes directly into that next story. But, of course, Paul Erickson was like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to tell the story <laughs> that I wanted to tell. Who cares about continuity? So it's going to be a surprise to you when you get to the next story, if you do. And you're like, oh, he's invisible. When did I'm that happen? I'm used to surprises. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, know. you kind of have to be with this era, Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm, Jesus, God. Okay. And who replaced Doctor Who in these episodes? Uh, William Hartnell. In fact, that's him on the oh, cover. Hartnell, that's, that was that name you kept saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I know, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm so bad at that. I keep yeah. doing that. Um, in fact, um, Allison and Sheena both told me that I do that. That I, uh, I was thinking that was a like character name or something. Okay, yeah. I got you now. That's I'm up to date, sorry. Yeah. The Hartnell era, as opposed to the Tom Baker era, which we won't be getting to for and he's years and years. the one who has the um, trait of going, hmm, in mm-hmm. his speech, because that's mm-hmm. faithfully in this book, yes. I noticed. Erickson's very good yeah. at reproducing Hartnell's uh, little ticks, though. Mm. Weirdly enough, it's the oddest thing... In chapter seven, the doctor says that she's looking, that Dodo's looking good for being 10 million years old. And the way he says it, it's a very particular, you're looking good on it. And it's like, that is not the Hartnell doctor speaking. Yeah. That's Erickson speaking. That's not the Hartnell doctor because that's a kind of regionalism. That's a Welsh expression. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of love that sort of when things get weirdly mutated in translation mm-hmm. i mean like you know this is sort of a side comment but it applies to what we're talking about like yeah a, yeah you know like you know when Chekhov is you know one of the most performed you know russian writers in the american theater yeah right. well in theater in general but you know so he has but yeah he wrote in russian so there's several different translations of, yes. of, of his dialogue and sometimes the lines come out really differently oh like they God, use like they completely ever. different metaphors and whatnot or different yeah. like wording that uh, so really, a good tra- a, a good Chekhov translation makes a huge difference, which I think it probably is the case with like you know so. writing these writing these novellas, yeah, mm-hmm. like a, you know that, you know whoever's the novel writing the novelization, yes, like whoever's interpreting it or or adapting it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Dude, one of my my favorite things I was in a short play called um, The Proposal mm-hmm. by Chekhov. And it's oh this, yeah, it's really really funny play. It's like it's like. It's it's this guy. He's, he's proposing to his woman, and but they're mm-hmm. but they're saying that they own own the same piece of land, and they just start bickering. All right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's this really great moment where, like, I feel like the original line we were translated. I wrote another translation saying, like, 
what's happening or what's going on or mm-hmm. something like that. But instead it was translated as, what's it all about? <laughs> yeah. I remember my mom saw that and she was like, Alfie. Alfie. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, I think, and like, but that line became much more philosophical, you yes. know, than like simply just that. a pragmatic what's going yeah. on. Yeah, precisely. And I'm wondering, Tony, I'm, like, I'm not just completely going off track. Here. No, I'm no, no. Back here. I'm wondering just because you've, you've read so many of these and seen the book, do you notice other things sort of like that? Where they Every once a in a while. Wow. In a line that like, yes. changes the meaning. I, uh, yes, that does happen, and in fact, that's why I brought that up because I could I could hear Erickson's weird wails by way of San Diego yeah. coming through that. Yeah, because it's like the the Hartnell Doctor would not say that. Yeah, but yeah. it's really nice that he's saying, "Oh, but you look good, my dear, for being ten million years old." <laughs> oh, that is a that's a dad joke. Yes. Just, <laughs> yeah. yes, he doesn't do dad jokes. Yeah, yeah. He's much more caring towards yeah. Dodo than yeah. we've ever seen him be yeah. towards just about anybody except for his granddaughter. Yeah. And then she snipes at him about his age, and he takes it in stride. Mm. It's like, whoa, who the hell are you, and what did you do with my doctor? <laughs> He's not due to be replaced for a few months yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and can I say one more thing? Sure, please. Employing the lip-reading art of old. I saw that. I saw that. The monoids do not have mouths that you can actually see. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. The monoids not only don't have lips, they don't use them to form words, yeah. so, and that's why they need the electronic voice boxes. How the fuck are they reading each other's <laughs> lips? It's ridiculous. Erickson, you should be ashamed of yourself, Slip except there. while you're dead. Slipped there. Slip Slipped there. a little bit. Anyway. And yeah, and we can't really use irony as an excuse there. No. Yeah, yeah. You really can't. It's yeah. just a really bad line. Yeah. There are a few <laughs> grammatical problems. In fact, there was a grammatical issue I wanted to bring up with y'all because... Oh, that, I mean, there was tons. Maybe because I read a PDF of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty conventional. There, there were a yeah. few more than normal. Yeah. I think at one point they called... Instead of the jail room, it's the jail mom. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that. <laughs> that was yeah. a good one. <laughs> Just scanning issues. And by the way, it is called the security kitchen. Yeah, for some God only knows reason, it's called the security kitchen. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, why is Stephen just hanging out in the kitchen? Because it's the security kitchen. Um, That's where they keep them. That's where they sleep. Security kitchen. Yeah. He's been impregnated on a slide. Yeah, that was one thing. I was like... That makes me think of him being like had on like a children's playground slide like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's what I see yeah. he's been had on a children's yeah. playground slide oh my lord story of my life oh <laughs> really well on that note we should probably go to goodreads.com yeah. let's go to goodreads, let's go to goodreads. Right, by the time we go to goodreads we're always in a very strange place yes we are and none stranger than we are right now <laughs> as we always do thank you Rory <laughs> let's go to goodreads.com for online reviews of the book written by other readers then follow up with our own ratings by the way if you're listening to this podcast I hope you still are and want to have your review featured when we get to an upcoming book simply read the book write a review on goodreads and then write a comment Somewhere, so that we have a chance to see it before discussing the book ourselves and you may just get your review read right here and wouldn't that be the thrill of the century yes, wouldn't seriously. it but nobody's taking this up on it I it's can't almost, believe it I know it's hard to credit isn't it the average rating for this story out of 5 stars is 3.29 which is about yeah, right. that's relatively about right. that's about right yeah. here's some sample reviews Dennis Southall gives it 1 star and says poor story 
with many errors and shortcuts. Felt like it was a chore to write it, and it certainly was to read it. Damn! How's Dennis? With one N. Okay. Southhawk. No, not Southhawk. Stormhawk. Why did I say Southhawk? Stormhawk. Stormhawk gives it only two stars and says, Won't go down as one of my favorites by any means, starting with not a lot of attention being given to adding Dodo to the companions. Although, based on descriptions I've read, she wasn't all that carefully written in. No, she wasn't. The Doctor manages two visits to the same generation starship and sees the results of cultural change across 700 years, complete with bug-eyed and invisible aliens. They're not bug-eyed. They have a ping-pong ball in the mouth. That's how they do that. That's rude. But Travis gives it the full Monty. He gives it the full five stars. Oh, wow. Yeah, says a very clever idea to help stretch the TV budget. The arc is actually two stories set at different times, but in the same setting. Uh, the TARDIS crew land on the massive space arc carrying colonists from Earth. First half of the story, the colonists are hit hard by germs brought on board by one of the Doctor's companions. A pretty clever idea that I don't remember ever showing up again in the show. That actually is true. And in the second, they return hundreds of years later as the colonists are about to land on their new home planet. Then they have to deal with mutiny, as well as the mysterious inhabitants of the new planet. You really get a feel in the book that the Ark is a huge ship with a huge population. That is true. Something that's probably hard for the TV show to pull off. Oh, yeah, it is. This is a fun read, a nice sci-fi adventure. So as we always do, we're going to ask for your opinions Rory, out of five stars, how many would you give this and why? You know, the stars I'm, I'm going to give this would get an Uber driver fired. I realize that. <laughs> uh, but I don't mean this actually negatively because I feel like it's more than I would. I think I'm going to give this a three out of five. Okay. I, I mean, because I think that there is some engaging elements of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I really like I really like the Dodo character and I like the way that a lot of this was told and in dialogue and you know like i feel like there was some personality that was actually at work here and not completely dry pedantic yeah explanation of the rules too much there was a bit of that yeah sure but i think i think it does fall apart in the second half quite a bit actually and and it it really just kind of falls onto these sort of lazy sci-fi tropes so i'm gonna give i'm gonna give it a i can give a three out of five five. you know a three out of five you know past just barely passing you know okay you know, one of those things like you got you got some work to do, but I've been I'm willing to see what your next thing is. Let's <laughs> well, conference thing. before you turn you, in it, another script. Exactly. I wasn't trying to use the 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 essay analogies. We can't help it. The company you keep. Yeah. Um. One thing I did. One observation I I forgot mm-hmm. to bring up, and it's appropriate for yeah, this yeah, time, yeah. is where where she said. Dorothea uh, Dodo is, is is insistent on being called Dodo yes. and not Dorothea. Exactly. But Dodo is hardly a term of endearment no. for most of the time. Which I and I think there's a slight bit of irony because I think what you said, Jenny, is is accurate. I don't think she's stupid. I think she's naive. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is it transition? Yeah. Uh, I, I had in the end my my kind of good and and bad overall reaction. That the nice things about this writing is way better than I've seen in other books and just mm. easier to read. And even if it is kind of, uh, I, I wish I could say work, work person, but that's not like workman is what everyone knows how it means. Uh, but it, yeah. it is, you know, it's workmanly, but it's a lot better than some of the other ones yeah, I've read. That's true. Uh, which, Rory, you don't know, but yeah. you, you would if you keep reading some more. 
And despite her her moniker of I love Dodo, she's great. And when yeah. we first talked about her last week, I was like, oh, this character is going to be crap because she's got this stupid yeah, name. Yeah. And then I think it's the strength of the characterization that I don't think that anymore. I'm like, no, oh, Dodo is, is a cute name. Like now yeah. I think it's cute. I think it's I very like British her. too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Really yeah. Dodo, come in, have a cup of tea. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And as we have said multiple times, first half I think is pretty excellent. I think that yeah. he was like excited to write about the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the second half, he's like, well, okay, you gotta write about oh, these yeah. aliens now. Real excited about that. Maybe he just <laughs> lost it in getting lazy. That's why the the vaccines were botched and the sort of future yeah. view. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know that this person was all that interested in writing about science fiction, maybe. Yeah, um, possibly not. Because it did Crime dramas was more his thing. Yeah. Be that as it may, uh, I would still offer this three and a half stars. Really? Because I think it's one of the better ones. I wow. actually was interested to read it when I was yeah. sitting there while my car was being worked on in a, a shop and wow. I was sitting in their little sort of vestibule that was like mm. freezing cold. <laughs> I had this laptop out and I was still managing to be interested to read it, which is okay. more than I can say for some of the other ones that we've had here where yeah. I'm like, just skimming through like please let it end please let <laughs> Lucarati just put my head in the oven because this oh, is I'm so dumb yeah with it. I kind of uh, feel the same way about Lucarati from time to time so this is okay this is yeah mm-hmm. this is a plus yeah. okay and and for me yes well, I like the televised version far more than the print version though even it has its problems those problems are all compounded on on the page for some reason i don't know why we get charles and mary Ugh. we get some great stuff with dodo in fact that bit where she loses the doctor the chess yeah, match and she's like funny. i wasn't on your side it's like that's brilliant okay i i love that but the rest is like oh god why didn't i think of that when i was watching it and now that i'm watching the episode all i can think of is what mm. comes through on the page so it's not one of my favorites. Erickson is definitely not one of my favorites, and I'm kind of glad that he never did another one. Mm. It's unfortunate he didn't do another script. Yeah. His scripts are good. Mm-hmm. The prose, yeah, not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so regrettable little oh, face. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, like, I guess for me, the bar is considerably I don't know, lower for me. Yeah, just yeah. Be, just because I don't know. Like, I I've read so much bad science fiction, mm-hmm. and this True. one I. The fact that I was able to be engaged mm-hmm. for, you know, I read most of this in, in I read I read all this in a day, and most of this actually in one sitting. Yeah. And and I was really afraid I was going to have to like really haul ass before tonight to finish this book, <laughs> and I did. I actually finished it rather quickly. Excellent. Yeah, and I was, I think it's a little bit to Erickson's credit that I was able to do that. Yeah. You know? And I'll say that yeah, it yeah. is engaging. Yeah. But if you've seen the story, <laughs> but like I said, I don't. There think is that. I definitely don't think he's Marquez either. No, I, I'm no. certainly not moved by this. No, no, nor am I. It's very I mean, much in going, quoting you, Jenny. Yeah. It's workmanlike. Yeah, it it's certainly not David Whitaker. Have you ever been moved by any of these books? Well, I mean, yeah, you yeah. were by the Crusaders. Yeah, I was. But I for was wrong moved by reasons. The <laughs> for um, the wrong reasons. And I don't sure. like. And I don't buy this bullshit. Although science fiction's not supposed to move you. Bullshit. Jurassic Park. Excuse me. Jurassic. Spark, Futurama, I cried like a little Who child. Who says that? Exactly. Science fiction is absolutely meant to move you. Any yes. kind of fiction is meant No, to I agree with you. Lord. I'm just saying there are some Which, which writer is trying to back up their badass fiction? Yeah. Like, not badass being like terrible. It's, th- it's supposed to be logos. All logos in yes. though. So what, what are your stars? Okay. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, two out of five. 
Yeah. <laughs> two out of five. I'm not going to that hard. You know what I mean? Two out of five. I mean, I think I'm, I'm probably giving it a worse. very liberal three out of five myself. Okay. But, and yeah. you're yeah. 3.5. I mean, we come from different yeah, I'm, I'm doing the Allison thing tonight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, this one I'm definitely lowballing. It's not the worst I've read, but it, it, I didn't enjoy well, it. Well, and you have a different perspective because of seeing the shows. Yeah, yeah. there is that. As far as, as far as doing what any, any novelizer should do, yeah. which is recreating the show. He does that beautifully. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that kind of like going back to your and I, I'm not saying that every British, you know, pulpy British sci-fi writer has to be like Douglas Adams. Mm-hmm. I know that he's sort of the pinnacle in the. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, w- I really wanted more of that humor there. Yes. And I think that's that's really what makes it stand apart. I don't know, like, yeah. there's ne- there's never enough earnestness in this story for me to take it too seriously. No. Perhaps that was there's the point. Usually not. Yeah. No. And the pro- perhaps that was the point. But I'm like, if that's the case, just go go with the full funny. I mean, I think yeah. that, like, you know, to use a more mainstream example. Thor Ragnarok, which is in theaters right yes. now. Doctor Who isn't there yet. Yeah, the go. series itself isn't there yet. Yeah, that went the full funny, and it worked yes. like gangbusters. The yeah. Gunfighters is going to be comedy, but then that's going to yeah. be Donald Cotton again. Yeah. You're familiar with Donald Cotton, so yeah, that is going to be funnier. Well, thank you guys, and thank you, fellow time travelers, for giving us your valuable time. Next time we get to Jerry Davis's last novelization, but ironically for us, our first by that same author of The Celestial Toymaker. Be looking for that right around the weekend of January 13th on the other side of the new year. In the meantime, if you liked what you've heard here, like us on Facebook at Doctor Who Target Book Club Podcast, all one word with no spaces. You can also visit our nearly pristine subreddit at www.reddit.com forward slash r forward slash dwtargetbc. Also, feel free to watch videos of our first 12 episodes, as long as they're not being dinged for copyright, goddammit. And give us a thumbs up or comment on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash emperor forward slash videos follow us on twitter we're at dwtargetbc or subscribe to us via the podcaster of your choice we are on itunes soundcloud stitcher tune in and i keep forgetting it we are also on what are we on we're on android play store yes we are yes if all else fails you email us at dwtargetbc at gmail.com Thank you very much for listening. Happy holidays and enjoy your travels. Bye-bye. Happy Christmas, Ron. (laughs) Long and prosper. Enjoy all of us a good night. Remember the police station Christmas? So it was, yes. Here's a toast. A happy Christmas to all of us. <laughs> Same to you, Doctor. <laughs> Incidentally, a happy Christmas to all of you at home.